welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network. And this week, we have a uh, very special episode, I'd say. Uh, of course, uh, we've been celebrating uh, Trans Week of Awareness all week on Outsports.com, uh, various op-eds from multiple people on site. Um, and a lot of stories highlighting a lot of uh, trans athletes as well um, and trans issues within sports. And uh, we're doing that on this show as well today because we have uh, the great Bambina uh, on the show today to talk all about trans advocacy, trans identities in pro wrestling, and her own um, journey and philosophy in this industry. It's a really thoughtful conversation and very insightful and um, I really enjoyed having the chance to sit down and, and speak with her about um, all of these topics and all these issues and, and it was great and, and I'm thoroughly happy to bring it to all of you to hear for yourselves now. We're keeping the intro short and sweet this week so uh, let's just get right into uh, our conversation with um, Hood Slam and Glam Oak's own uh, the Great Bambina. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring, and I am very happy to have as my guest this week um, as part of Trans Awareness Week here um, on Outsports and the show proper as well. Um, you know her from Hood Slam, Glam Oak, and I guess pretty soon, uh, five catch corner or five corner catch rather in Seattle. Uh, the base hit bitch, the great Bambina. Welcome to LGBT in the ring. Thank you for having me. I love that intro. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I honestly, it's, it's, it's deserving. I, you've, you've been someone on my, I've, you've been someone on my radar for, for a while as someone who has like discovered hood slam years ago and has watched it grow as, as it has and introduced all these great new characters, yours included um, over the years. And I'm, I'm stoked to have you on the show because like, not only can we talk about your pro wrestling experience, but there's all these other facets that uh, to you that are interesting as well, especially when it comes to like trans advocacy. And most recently when it comes to wrestling during COVID, um, because I know you we were talking off air, you just got back from a taping and you are currently in quarantine, right? Yes. Um, so I live in California and I'm also a healthcare worker and we, in, in California, there is, these new guidelines for interstate travel. If you travel within the state, um, it is recommended that you quarantine for two weeks um, until um, un un until you get a negative test. Um, and I guess, and, and actually, the until you get a negative test is more for <laughs> my work as a healthcare person. And so I came back Sunday morning and I got my test yesterday, and now I'm waiting to see what you know how I'm doing. I guess. <laughs> um, this, it's actually, my dojo is one of the few that I know of that has still been training. Um, and so this will actually be like the first time since COVID. Um, I've had to take time off. I've, I've had to take time off here and there for like an injury or for traveling, but this will be like the first time that I've been like at home, like while all my friends are wrestling and having to occupy myself. Oh, how does that make you feel? I mean, 
I am, so I, I'm very religious about training. Um, I go to training every day and I also, um, you know, where, where I train, we typically have two sessions a day for beginners and for intermediate. And I typically go to all of them. And I credit that with, with where I'm at now. Um, I was not athletic at all uh, when I started training. Um, and I mean, I'm still, I'm not gonna, I'm not here to suggest that I'm a, uh, I'm all American quite yet, <laughs> but um, like, you know, just being able to do it every day, like um, has like made it serious for me and like made me, it has helped, it has helped me build the momentum that I have. Um, and so I don't know what all, I mean, I'm, I bought a deck of cards. I, I know that a bunch of wrestlers are really into this thing where you, you assign exercises to a deck of cards and then you do the exercises. Um, huh. that, is, that is the one aspect of, of, of this that I am not uh, as good at. So when I, was, when I was in college, I had to take a fencing class and my professor recognized that I was really the only bigger person um, in the class and, and they were also bigger. And so one day while we were doing stuff, they, they referenced, uh, they're like, you know, me and Jetta, we're the three real three musketeers. And so that's how I, that has always been how I describe my body to people. <laughs> um, I have a three musketeers body. You know, I, I get, I work out in training. I'm at a point in my life and, and, you know, career really that I have to start considering, oh yeah, you know, I should be working out. Cause I, I never, I, I, you know, when, when you're trans and fat there's a lot of there's this pressure to like be to be sort of like um resigned in pride if that makes sense like you know um it's it's like on the one hand like it's totally fine if you want to pass better it's fine if you want ffs it's fine if you want x y or z and like, it's good and you're affirmed in doing that, but also there's this kind of like, but hey, you know, you shouldn't want that. You shouldn't feel you need that. And it's, it's, it's tough to internalize feeling like if I try to get in like a more typically feminine body shape, am I, you know, am I setting a bad example? Am I letting people down? Am I you know, um, mm -hmm. am I undermining the work that I have put into like being a proud queer person? Um, and, but I'm tired of just seeing all my like other friend, other like uh, lady wrestler friends just have like fit bodies and I'm jealous now. So <laughs> uh, to heck with that, I guess. Hey, you know, I, I, I like many people that I've spoken to on the show, everybody's experience is different and everybody's idea of, of identity and in, in, in is, is different so like i i understand where you're coming from these sort of pressures of like the the not necessarily performative pressures but like the, the sort of the sort of pressures to adhere to a certain sort of like dogma for lack of a better word when it comes to that sort of thing but it's really about finding your own path and if that's the path that, that you want to take for to express your your own identity then like hell go for it you know it's it's helpful when it's it's helpful when uh you have a motivating factor that isn't tied um to that stuff like i want to get buff because all of my friends are getting buff and i'm jealous like i, yeah. I feel like 
that's very liberating for me that I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't like, I'm jealous and I'm just going to act out. I'm going to act on that jealousy and not like, and just come from there instead of like having to come from this like place of trying to do the math of like, what is the, what is the authentic way to have a body, which is, you know, its own nightmare. Yeah. It's um, the question with so many answers. Yeah. I mean, that's like, uh, I just posted about this on, on Facebook, but um, like this year has been very, um, this year has been very, what is the phrase I'm kind of looking for? Um, kind of, it's been illuminating and also very disarming. Um, when I first started wrestling, I had just kind of accepted that I would be the ugly chick wherever I wrestled. Um, I was just like, okay, well, I'm trans, I'm fat. Um, I still have like, you know, a bit of stubble because I haven't been able to afford laser. I still have like a deep voice. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm, I, I don't express femininity in the ways that like we would, we would consider um, to be like canon um and and i'll talk about that later uh as it pertains to like trans healthcare but like and so i you know when i first started wrestling i was just like well whatever i'll just do makeup bad and i'll just like not watch what i eat and i'll just like whatever because it's just my thing i'm 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 the like the token bad example but after a while like i really started to like get at me um and th- and there would be times when i would you know be in I would be at a show and I would be in the girls locker room hanging out with other girls in a girls match, like, and having every, you know, and and being affirmed in every way possible by people and still in the back of my mind, having that nagging, um, that nagging imposter syndrome of like, do these people actually see me as one of them? Or, you know, like, why don't I feel I've worked, I've worked, I've, I've spent all this time and effort over my life to feel like I belong in this place. And yet I'm still, why am I still uncomfortable? And so this year has been really challenging because it has really forced me to like move on from that kind of um, uh, self typecast. You know, I, um, I won the 5CC Scornacopia promo challenge, um, which was like, whoa like uh it was like a big it was like a you know a big deal for me um especially since i had never wrestled there before <laughs> um you know and I, i've had that and i've had um i i got to do some tapings for sos pro wrestling um and i've had these opportunities to like be acknowledged and um like respected and like uh, validated as a woman and as a woman wrestler and I've also just gotten hotter um so like <laughs> yeah like I, I was looking at these like you know I, I'm holding uh you know there's this picture of me that I posted on on social media where like I'm, I'm at 5cc I'm at the taping um and I'm holding the trophy and I'm holding this cornucopia trophy and I just like look at myself and I'm like like this is like there's this glimmer, there's a, a faint trace of like the the person that young pre-transition me would have wanted to be. And like 
I never thought that I would see that. I never thought that I would like see that reflection ever. And like, it's just, I, I guess like that's, um, just so you know, kids, you're never too old to have gender feels. <laughs> Next question. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I can definitely see how that would be very very empowering you know and how that would be a very emotional moment for you especially considering like speaking to this like internalized imposter syndrome that you're feeling even though from from what no, granted i'm from i'm on the outside from what i can tell a number of places that you've worked at have been very very affirming for yourself and in, in your identity it's actually uh, it's actually in there are some cases when it is too affirming oh really um, yeah. So I, when I, um, you know, I'm, I wrestle, I train mostly with men. Um, I, there are a lot of girls that I train with at my school, but I mostly train with men. You know, my trainers are men, um, most of them. Um, and most of the people I train with are, are men. And most of the people that I travel with are men. Um, and so like, I'm used to wrestling, I'm used to wrestling, you know, men, and which isn't like, uh, which isn't to be like there. I don't. I don't really think there are stylistic differences. I think that if like you're trained by Mula, or if you train like in a Joshi dojo, yes, there are differences between wrestling men and women, absolutely. But like, um, like I'm, I'm used to just being able to go in there and just like go, you know, toe to toe with anybody, and then like, and that's been fine for me because I'm already big I'm I am six foot tall and 230 I'm pretty muscular um it, it is not when I get in the ring with like a man I'm not thinking like I'm not thinking of a, a gap I'm not being cognizant of a gap or a power differential or whatever because you know I'm not I'm trying to think of like a a wrestler I know who is smaller than me um like Paradise, uh, Paradise from, um, from who uh, Paradise is a, a wrestler out of um, Salt Lake City, mm. and she's very small and kicks ass and is amazing. Um, one of my dream matches. Actually, I made a list: twenty-one opponents for twenty twenty-one. She was on it. But like, you know, when I go in the when I get in the ring with someone, I'm not thinking like, oh, they're bigger than me, they're stronger than me. I'm usually as strong as like if not stronger than some of the men I wrestle which is not meant to be a brag but like you know I, I get myself over it's a fight yeah <laughs> but like I'll get into these like you know I'll, I'll go to these places that don't do intergender and then they they don't do intergender and then it's it's you know something like wrestling other women which is tight like it's great to be acknowledged and be like oh you are like them and you can wrestle them and that's great but it's also at the same time it's just like um i don't know it's at the same time it's it feels kind of there was a time i guess like there was a time i guess like i'm thinking i'm just thinking about this because when i first started wrestling i was very insistent that i wanted to be a woman's wrestler right i wanted to learn how like other women wrestle I want to wrestle other women and I want to be recognized and I want to compete for women's titles. And now like, and then you get into these situations where you're like, you're like booked in a mixed tag where you're not allowed to really have contact with like the men you're wrestling or, you know, whatever. And that's, that can be frustrating. Um, you know, it's frustrating. It's like I wrestle 
I wrestle people like this all the time. And now you're telling me that that like that training is just kind of that experience is like invalid, which is it's, it's frustrating. I can, I guess what I'm trying to say is intergender rules. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm very, I'm rambling. I'm, I'm like, um, yeah, I just, I have a lot. I don't get to talk about this stuff a lot. Um, so it's good to talk about it. <laughs> No, I'm I'm very happy to have the conversation as well, and I'm with you in that intergender wrestling rules, um, and and I really am enjoying the uh, the um, growth of it over the past few years. Of course, like that's something that I think has been going on in Hood Slam specifically for a while before the the recent boon um, across the indie scene, um, and I think that it's it's an amazing thing to see. Um, and to it, it, it builds so many more interesting interactions um, with people, and, and also it can be very accommodating for you know people that are like in different places on the gender spectrum. You know, like I was mm-hmm. talking to you know a few like non-binary wrestlers, and like every match they wrestle is intergender, and like that mm-hmm. didn't click with me until I talked to them. And I'm like, no, that totally makes sense. So like, it's one of those things where like to completely negate. Uh, a style if you want to call it a style per se but just like a, a, a structure rather if you wanted to completely negate a structure of pro wrestling simply because this is just how it's been forever or there's these like um like cultural touchstones that have spoken to th- this division based on gender um mm-hmm. or at least the gender binary um in the past like those these sort of things need to keep getting broken down because there's so much more that can be done with this industry whenever you start to break down those those barriers for people yeah i mean it's like um when you play street fighter and you pick chun li like the your opponent is not then only limited to cami um, exactly right like that's just that's not we we you know i mean <laughs> marvel movies like um you know like like um you watch Marvel movies like do when when Black Widow is like fighting a bunch of like mooks right do any of them be like oh no it's intergender like we understand like it's this thing where we assign this kind of we we assign like an intrinsic character to certain sports that really doesn't exist um you know, but like with Street Fighter, we get it. Like Chun Li's a woman, and she's small, but like she's because of that, she has developed a whole set of skills and powers to help her fight guys like Zangief. You know, mm. but there's something about like there is something about our cultural ways in which like we rely on sports to like validate and reify um like very archaic uh hot, like hierarchical does 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 uh um does that make sense hierarchy yeah yeah okay yeah just like hierarchical concepts um you know and because i mean like you can see this in in a lot of you know like uh, older wrestling but like you know, two men wrestle and it's framed as like, you know, um, strong, you know, who's the strongest, who's the toughest, like who is like, 
uh, who's whose flavor of enhanced masculinity will win and and for women it's like whose flavor of enhanced femininity and who's who's like brand of like um like in in this contest between conflicting feminine energies like like whose comes out i mean like there's this 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 way in which like a lot of and not just wrestling i mean sports like we we like rely on these we rely on sports to like kind of reinforce ideas that we already have about the world and so when you have something like wrestling which is very abstract um in the terms of like what it can be um it's very it it's it can be whatever you want it can it doesn't have to abide by those rules like it it, it definitely at times like trades in those trappings but wrestling does not have to be football it does not have to be like anything else um and to tr- and i think that trying to i get the need to like want to make wrestling what's the word i'm looking for here um to make it i don't want to say authentic but like um to make wrestling sportier, I guess. Like I get the need to want to make it to, to, to um, okay, like, like hard and soft sci-fi, right? Like um, something like, uh, something, something like um, Kaiju Big Battle mm-hmm. um, or DDT. Um, or even, mm, um, I'll use those two examples. Like even those, um, those are like soft sci-fi. Like they have a premise and, you know, they work within it and like everything in those matches ultimately serves to fit those premises of like, this is the story. And like, we are willing to kind of fudge like the elements of sport to fit those themes. Whereas, you know, you have something like, I would say like blood sport, um, which is more hard sci-fi, right? It's more, this is, this is real sport and this is real um, murder fights. You know, um, AEW I think is like, goes back and forth between hard and soft sci-fi. Yeah. Like, you know, of having the like, the tail of the tape and the weight classes and like that's that's like hard sci-fi trappings right and like that's cool sometimes but like we can't like we don't have like not all of wrestling like needs to fit this because like what, what is wrestling really but like construction of shared realities right like i think of when i think of wrestling i think of a multiverse like mm. i think of wrestling as a multiverse and like every company is its own universe. It has its own rules. It has its own character. It has its own. I mean, Bambina is a different person in every company she works in because the rules in those companies' universes are different. Um, and so I think that trying to compress like that multiverse into like a singular vision of, you know, hard sci-fi for lack of a better term is just really stultifying, not just for the sport, but also just for ourselves as people, like as a species, like, 
Um, I know that I'm just like ranting at you and not giving you a whole ton of time to ask me any questions. <laughs> you are perfectly but, fine. <laughs> okay, but like, you know, um, wrestling matters. Like wrestling is a huge part of how I define myself as a person, as a woman, as a queer person. Like it's, um, I, you know, all the, I, like I get people all the time who like contact and like message me or like, oh, like I, always wanted to do do something like that but I thought because I was trans or because I was fat or because I was old I started wrestling at a I don't want to say old but like at an age that is more advanced than other people a Um, later age yeah like Kenny Omega is my age and he's been doing this forever you know like (laughs) um you know like I think like the stuff that we see matters you know like that informs us of like what what we see presented in media right or you know or in sports or whatever whatever like whatever we see that informs what we are ourselves are capable of when you see um nyla rose winning the aew women's championship that tells you like that informs what you yourself are capable of in a society to a degree and so I think they're trying to like enforce a sort of high, hard sci-fi sort of just like um, everything must conform to this completely spurious notion of athletic competition, which I will rant about in, in a later time today, I promise. <laughs> um, I just think that that's just like bad for wrestling and also bad for humans. No, I completely agree with you. I think that you know you need all of these different, I guess, like realities. I guess in, in a way, like these all these different approaches, to really kind of flesh out everything that can be done within an industry like this. You know, and and to subscribe to one single one across the board would be, um, very very uh, stilting, uh, for for or stunting rather for a lot of the uh, the development of what we've seen in pro wrestling. You know, I think that's one of the main reasons why you've seen so many different and unique um, kind of queer spaces within pro wrestling start to be carved out over the last. I mean, if you even talking to like Hood Slam in some ways, like talking about like the past decade. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know there's been a lot more recently. Like we took. Like I know we're, we'll get to what 2020 has been the the year of in in your mind, um, and and in many others' minds in a little bit. But like also, 2020 has been a, probably a a banner year for LGBTQ pro wrestling as a whole. There's so many different mm-hmm. events and so many different ideas and integrations of queer culture into pro wrestling that, you know, if everybody subscribed to this athletic competition presentation holy you would never have these sort of um these sort of events and these sort of um meldings of culture that you have mm-hmm. so yeah i completely subscribe to that and i i wanted to keep bringing up uh, whenever you were coming into wrestling i do want to chat with you a little bit because um i think it's very apt that you make this the, the connection to sport um with with a lot of these discussion points because like obviously great bambina the character kind of plays off of that as well um coming out with the uh, the rock for peaches uh uniform and everything i'm curious to, to talk to you a little bit about your entry into pro wrestling what drew you to pro wrestling initially and what made you kind of figure out this is something that you wanted to do i'd always wanted to do it um from a very young age like from three six years old like that 
I knew at six years, like before I was six years old, that's what I wanted to do. It's what I, it's, it's what I grew up watching. Um, I spent a very significant portion of my life abroad. Um, so in, in being an American living abroad and like, um, being like the only American family on a street uh, in another country for years. Um, you look for things that kind of, you, you keep being told that you're American, right? And, and even though like, I'm not going to a school in America, I'm not speaking American to my neighbors, um, you know, like, uh, you know, like you, you look for things that can like validate that identity that people are saying that you are. And for me, like that was wrestling. Like I, I was in Germany, like uh, getting WWF magazine, like a month later than <laughs> like everyone else. Cause that was just how it was back then. I would go to these um, video stores in Germany and I would rent out like old Coliseum video. Um, that was like, uh, you know, like I, think of wrestling as my mother tongue it's, it's kind of like how i view the universe um it's kind of like my moral compass and the way that i think that like a lot of other people's moral compass would be like uh star wars or star trek or like the lord of the rings like we look to media to inform our morals and like wrestling definitely informs like a lot of what i consider to be like how i perceive like myself as like a um spiritual ethical being um but, you know, I had always just kind of accepted that, like, being a trans woman, like, that was never going to happen for me. Um, and so, uh, you, know, I, you know, I remember, actually, it was actually funny, I was in college, and this, I, like, this is, when Netflix, this is when Netflix still had DVDs, and Netflix had, like, cool, weird stuff, and, like, it wasn't just, like, it wasn't mainstream yet, you know, you could get, like, weird like Japanese girl gang movies. Um, And I discovered, this is how I discovered like Chikara. And I remember like watching Chikara, like watching Los Ice Creams and like like those kinds of characters and be like, no wrestling could fit someone like me Um, because I would not consider myself like someone who relishes violence Um, or is again, like not even that athletic. you know, like to me, what I like about wrestling is the performance aspect. I, I like what I like about wrestling is it allows us to create living gods. Um, and it allows people into the like pr- creative process of deification. That is something I really enjoy about wrestling. Um, I also studied Brecht, so like wrestling is Brechtian as hell, and I love it. Um, but, you know, like, and I remember being in college and, like, t- t- telling my brother, but, like, this is, like, wrestling could, f- you know, wrestling can accommodate someone like me. Um, and, um, and then, like, you know, like, I did other shit with my life. And eventually I moved to California and um, I was getting jobs here and there in, in like, the creative fields because um, I have a liberal arts degree. Um, hmm. And like I kept seeing, I kept like, encountering this thing, this this thing called Hood Slam. Um, it would be like I was seeing it recommended to me. Like I would see people mention it. I would see flyers for it. I would the um, Hood Slam used to have commercials at the beginning of Botchumania. Like it was, <laughs> it was there. And 
I had been to it a few times. Um, I'd like seen it and like I was aware of it and I thought it was really cool. Um, but it had never occurred to me that I could do it. And then I got a job as a journalist for a local Bay Area outlet. And um, I like interviewed Dark Chic. Uh, and we, we like, we, we had this interview, we talked and like over the course of it, I had, um, I told her that I had always wanted to be a wrestler and like, we, we, we stayed friends on Twitter for a while. And I was like, constantly, <laughs> it was weird. I was like, I was, I, I frequently trolled her by being like, when are you going to train me? When are you going to train me? <laughs> um, cause I, you know, like, <laughs> um, and then uh one day she like just out of nowhere just like messaged me and was like i'm gonna train a class of girls do you want in um and i remember <laughs> i at the time i was recording a wrestling themed rap album oh and yeah we're just going whole hog on on embarrassing stuff today <laughs> <laughs> um and I remember leaving the studio and just getting this like message uh, from Dark Chic asking if I want to like train and just see how it would go. And I was like, because I think like, I don't know. I think that for a lot of people, I think, and you know, if like, if, if I'm like speaking kind of out of pocket for your experience personally, just let me know. But like, I think a lot of people get into wrestling fandom and get into like doing the wrestling kind of, the like get into the culture around wrestling and are creatives in that way because they kind of at some point they had told themselves well I'll never get to be one of these so but I can be really into making art for it or podcasts for it um and I had hit this moment where I was like okay well I'm either gonna try and be a wrestler and fail or I'm gonna be a white rapper and I don't really want to succeed at that. Um, so <laughs> I started training with Dark Cheek. Um, yeah. And that, I mean, it was like, those are, those are some of my happiest memories. Um, just like being the drizzling shits at uh, <laughs> this training. Cause like, yeah, you know, like, I don't know when you're, when you're, when you're a wrestling fan, when you're a wrestling fan, you're like, Oh, like wrestling, you just gotta like, V hit and you gotta like fall down and blah 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 blah, and then you do it. You're like man, this is like way more athletic than I thought it would be. Um, <laughs> and like you know, I I went every week and I kept showing up. I kept showing up. I kept showing up. No matter, even though like I was like really struggling with fundamentals. Um, I mean, and I still struggle with fundamentals. I'm not trying to present myself as like again. I'm not all American yet. Like I'm still still in the infancy of like figuring out what it is that I my body can do but I was just doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and then eventually I started um training with the Stoner Brothers and you know like there was you know I was I was going three four days a week just just trying just like trying to see if I could do it um if I had it in me and like um I, I mean, I, I'm here, you know, like there's this, I don't know, like, I don't, the thing with wrestling is that like, it's really, it's an art in that like you can pursue it all your life. And 
you, I mean, just like being a painter, you know, you could start, you could be a painting prodigy and paint every day until you're 90 years old and live on a mountain, you know, uh, do the Pablo Picasso thing where you just like speak in riddles and troll journalists and you're a grandmaster and you will still, you will still in your core struggle with that feeling of, I have not even yet scratched the surface of this thing that dominates my thoughts. And that's what wrestling is. It's like, I'm going to do it. 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 And like, no matter, the more I learn, the more I realize, the more I have yet to learn. Um, And that's where I'm at. And that's where I'll probably be for the rest of my life is just pursuing, pursuing a depth that I will never reach. Hmm. I mean, to me personally, I feel like that's a, a fairly healthy place to be when it comes to anything creative honestly because like i feel like the moment you hit a a a steady place where you're complacent is where like you have stopped really trying to look at the edges of what you do you know yeah so i think it's a very healthy approach to, to continue feeling like there's something there's always something more to grow something always something more to learn more to explore and, and create because that's how you keep pushing the limits of, of an art form. So, yeah, I think that I, that's, it's amazing to hear because you don't really, like, I know there's a lot, the old tried and true thing is like, you know, the minute you stop learning, yeah, I just said it, the minute you stop learning is the minute you don't know anything. And, but it's very, very, very true as cliche as, as the idiom is. So, yeah. Um, I'm curious at what point, in your training did the bambina character start to come together for you um um i uh because i'm bigger um i don't uh i don't wear tights um i usually wear just like i wear when i was training i was wearing like a bodysuit and bodysuit and shorts and over time i started having this idea of like you know um dark chic once gave me this like really good um really good advice um at the time i was like talking to her i was like i'm just like i'm anxious because i i'm a big i'm a fat like large queer trans woman and like i am worried about how people will perceive me and she told me if you know what it is that people are anxious about you give it to them um and I was thinking about that and uh I just thought like oh what if I come like what if I wear what if I were to like come out and like a softball coach like what if I was like a uh, a mask dyke softball coach um <laughs> and that was like funny to me because I'm I'm actually like extremely prissy um <laughs> but like the, the idea of like pre- trying to present myself as like like the lesbian P teachers I think we all had was, was very funny to me. And then at the time I was like, I had, there's this other girl I was training with and we had this idea of like being like of doing a thing where we were both like vintage ball players. Cause I, I have, we both have kind of a, a pinup aesthetic. Um, I have, I have grown since grown from that. I, I now have a mullet, which I'm very proud of, but um I, for a long, you know, I was in a rockabilly band for a while. I, I like, I like that vintage stuff. Um, so we were thinking of doing that. And then she, she like, didn't pursue the training, wrestling training, but like I had, 
you know, I had already committed to start wrestling in a pink dress. So, you know, um, it, uh, yeah. And it, it's really, um, so I, uh, I don't talk about this a lot, but when I was a kid, my father really wanted me to be a baseball player because he had wanted to be a baseball player, but he didn't get to pursue that. So he had wanted me to be a baseball player. You know, he signed me up for little league and he would coach my teams. He would even be, he would coach and even be the commissioner of my, of the teams that I was in, of the leagues that I played in to make sure that I would have the best chance possible of being the star player. Right. And, you know, like there was one time he literally locked me in my room and like forced me to watch like baseball highlights. Um, which actually didn't help because like, it's not like they were instructional. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. The, you know, Barry Bonds can hit a home run. That doesn't really teach me at nine years old how to do that. Um, and because of that, I had, I had a really visceral and, and when I stopped playing baseball, so what happened was I had played baseball all throughout living in Europe and I was like top player. Um, and then I, I top player in my age group. Um, and then I, I came back to America and I was terrible. Um, because things like in Europe, you know, uh, they don't play baseball because they are hoping to get, go to college on a scholarship and then be a pro and then buy their dad a boat, you know, um, they just do it for fun. But then you come to America and like, everyone's playing baseball or football because like it's low key part of like their family's financial stability plan. Like if you're not going to be a pro athlete, you got to like, I don't know, be an engineer or a marketing person or a doctor. Like if it's just part of the American, that's just part of American capitalism. Um, there are no hobbies. There are only uh, backup plans. Mm. Um, and I was terrible and it was really demoralizing for me because I didn't like playing baseball to begin with. And it was just kind of demoralizing to like be made to do this thing that I was no longer good at. And it was a huge rift in my relationship with him when I stopped playing and when I stopped doing sports altogether um you know I, I used to joke to people that my dad wanted me to be a ball player but I wanted to be a wrestler and a woman and you know uh it's a shame that he and I don't talk anymore because I you know found a way to compromise <laughs> yeah um so like you know a lot of there's a lot of like exploring um there's a lot of exploring like Bambina and that like being a lady baseball player that is it works it works through a lot of stuff. Something I don't think people understand about you know when I wrestle I get told all the time by people, "Oh my god, League of Thrones, my favorite movie. I love it. That's cool." But like I always thought of a league of their own. I didn't, I don't find a league of their own, like inspiring. <laughs> it's actually to me kind of a horror movie. Hmm. Um, you know, so the players of the league of their, the players in the double AGPBL, which, you know, I have to say this, I say this all the time, sorry to be that person, but was a racist segregationist league. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, uh, it, it wasn't just about let the girls play baseball. Like the double AGPBL was a means of social control. 
if you have a league called the AAGPBL, All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, and you do not include Black women, um, the Black women who are experiencing, like, you know, Jim Crow South or the um, Asian American women who are incarcerated or the Indigenous women who are living on reservations, if you don't include those, then you are kind of making a statement about who is an All-American girl. Um, and and they're... The, um, the rules that the league had towards women was very, like, reflected that. Um, players in the AAHPBL um, could not drive a car outside of city limits without a male chaperone. They cannot be seen drinking or smoking in public. They cannot be out about being homosexual. There were, you know, all of these things, there were all of this, these, these sorts of heteronormative white supremacist conducts that they had to, like, live by. And we, and you know, that's just like the nature of struggle under oppression is that like, that's still, you know, to some people, that's still inspiring. That's still, you know, hey, yeah, girl power, you know, women are doing it, you know? And like, to me, I mean, we, uh, you know, that's like, that's its own thing about like um, incrementalism or, you know, accelerationism or white feminism, you know, those things. Yeah. But like to me, like that's uh, terrifying. Um like to, you know, like I I wouldn't have been able to play. Like I wouldn't have been allowed to play in the WHEBBL. Um and so like for me, like wearing that uniform and having that gimmick is a lot of like my way of like taking something back that like was withheld from me and withheld from a lot of people and also like just kind of exploring and challenging like you know like our own history and like what we think of it um i actually um i'm now starting to transition away from um the rockford peaches uniform um Mm. i have other teams in the league which is just fun because those are that's what's great about like having a uniform is you can just kind of like prototype it and build it out um but i you know i don't want to be I don't want my struggles as a person, as a queer woman, as a trans woman, as a wrestler, I don't want those like tied to the nostalgia for something most people don't understand. Um, and that's been something I've been like personally struggling with of like, you know, I, I, I wear this thing that people immediately recognize and really like, and I, I have a very conflicted relationship with it. And like, how do I like, how, how do I like, um, grapple with that because you know um i'm not a very confrontational person outside of wrestling i like i i you know um i like i i really try to live by like like standards of nonviolent communication um and like i try to like you know hold myself to like nonviolent ethics and nonviolent um living to the extent that i can and under capitalism um capitalism is bad um yes but (laughs) (laughs) but like um you know like i i hate that i have to be that person who's like no i'm a woman you have to include me like i you know i i wish i hate having to do that um and like do having this gimmick of being this person who has to who is like no you have to include me because I'm not from your time, but I still exist, you know? Um, 
you know, Bambina is, you know, a person trapped in a circumstance the way that I'm trapped in a circumstance. And we're both just trying to like navigate it to be our best selves and also like challenge people into maybe being better um, or worse. I don't know. Sometimes Bambina is like a, a bit of a, a villain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a duality in all of us, I feel. <laughs> yeah. In that way. No, it's 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 really interesting to hear you speak about like moving sort of moving away from from the Rockford Peaches uniform and like all this this different history with the the AGBBL um that that really tie that isn't that's overlooked honestly and 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 ties into a lot of the philosophical ideas around like how like your own identity and and how it's it manifests in these different social communities in these different places and i don't know if to me it, it really feels like um from what you described that it, it really feels like um the the definition of a reclamation project in a lot of ways like it's it almost feels like you are like taking this this era and this image that so many people associate with progressivism that really wasn't that and and kind of taking that image and putting it you know into kind of crafting it into a different form for people to ingest and really understand what that is and then now trans started to transition away from the Rockford peaches uniform and, and different uniforms and but still maintaining that bambina um identity with it like it really seems like you're you've taken something that has a whole different definition that people didn't know about and now that you're putting that definition out there you're starting to take it and redefine it in a way that really feels wholly you yeah if i'm um, on the right track there yeah that's a good way yeah i mean i hadn't really thought of that myself but like that's a really good way of framing it i think as like lgbt people like our movement is so often conflated with the mercy that is shown to us mm. you know like um you know, like, I mean, that, let's look at same-sex marriage. Like, same-sex marriage is important. Like, you know, uh, it's tight that we can have that. But, like, our movement was founded on, like, resistance to police violence. Our movement in America was founded on the abolition of police power over us. But, like, to extend, but for us to receive the mercy of our oppressors to receive the like the gift of restored dignity we had to refashion our whole movement to be about love is love i just want to get married i just want to have monogamy i just want to have children mm -hmm. you know like there's so much more that our movement was meant to be and should have been and you know um we, you know, and, and the same happens with, you know, I mean, the same thing happens with, like, with women and feminism. I mean, like, um, you know, like, we have a lot of this, like, um, we have a lot of this, like, reverence for, um, we have this reverence for, like, Ruth G uh, Bader Ginsburg. Um, she was a racist. Hmm. Um, flat out a racist a white supremacist like um she like 
but we we elevate her because you know like she made strides for women white women in this country but like also like she was extended mercy by like by a by oppression she was extended mercy by like a patriarchal society that even though she was like even though she to a degree was counter to like um uh sexist like patriarchal norms like she was still palatable enough that she was afforded the mercy of like existing and the mercy of being like allowed to um to thrive when women of color and indigenous women and disabled women and queer women are not afforded that mercy and so like she gets to be written down in history as this like pioneer you know just as the suffragettes you know uh get to be written down in history as pioneers because you know they they campaigned for the vote um and in doing so further disenfranchised black women in america um but they were you know because ultimately you know, a uh, patriarchal society kind of like realized like, well, we can either have the white women on our side or not. They were extended mercy. And that that becomes our narrative of like the struggle of women. And, you know, so I, I want to challenge that as a wrestler, as a person, like I'm not the mercy that is extended to me. Like, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not what you, I'm not the, the dignity and truth that you allow me to have. Mm. um yeah sorry that was a bit of a they've all been rants sorry <laughs> no you are perfectly fine like there's there's power in what you say honestly like like that's because you're not wrong in a, in, in a lot of ways like there's a reason why um you know rbg gets is celebrated the way that that she is and so many other feminist icons that you know uh, are celebrated the way that they are but yet at the same time you most of the world needed a Netflix documentary to really know who Marsha P. Johnson was, mm-hmm. you know, like to really understand the, the roots of, of the, of the queer rights movement and the trans rights movement, you know, going back to Stonewall, like everybody knows Stonewall, nobody, like nobody outside of like the, the culture, the family, if you will, really would, would be able to connect Marsha P. Johnson to that immediately everyone everyone loves to like invoke the imagery of the nazis burning books to document like this is what fascism looks like what most people don't know is that in those pictures the nazis are burning books about transgender people they're they're burning books of the hirschfield institute like and so like because of that like we have this that has allowed this like modern myth that like trans people or queer people are a modern invention. And it's not a modern invention. It's just that our history is constantly being dismantled. Um, And then when it is dismantled, you know, you're, you know, uh, heteronormative people like look at them like, wow, that's bad that it was done to someone else. (laughs) Um, It's, it's, it's very much like that, uh, that Eric Andre meme where he, he shoots Hannibal and then, It's like, why would Hannibal do this? Yes. Um, That's a lot of what, I mean, that's really a lot of what queer history is to the average heteronormative person, you know? (laughs) No, you're, you're, you're not wrong. 
you're not wrong at all. And that, I think that's a perfect uh, entry point to to uh, the thing that really drew me to, to want to talk to you, not just because it's Trans Awareness Week, but really because um, of a statement um, outside of outside of your wrestling, uh, a statement that you made earlier this year, and then you reiterated, oddly enough, after my um, Fire Pro stream that I did <laughs> uh, randomly uh, uh, last month on the show. Um, you basically said in back in january 2020 is the year of the of the trans woman wrestler mm -hmm. yes i i'm curious what um what context did that have for you whenever you you said it like what were you trying to convey there and how have you seen that play out over the year i was you know at the time you know i was saying it because i just felt i felt like i was being witness to a wave um you know in november of the year prior i had I went um, to a shimmer taping and got to see Candy Lee and Jamie Senegal wrestle live, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I um, train with and have like been witness to, you know, the transition of Dark Sheik, um, owner of Hood Slam. Um, and seeing her um, kind of, I think that. Hood Slam has always been sort of on the forefront of like what people, what people consider to be like countercultural ideas in wrestling, um, and I think that's uh, in a lot of ways that that has, that 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 institution of of Hood Slam has like people have invoked that in ways that like have not necessarily centered her mind and her contributions and her uh, talent as a wrestler and performer and promoter. Um, and this year was like, you know, uh, I was, I was backstage with her at a show and like, you know, I was like, we got to get a, let's get a selfie together. And, you know, I just felt like this is going to be a year that like a lot of us are going to make moves. Um, and when I say us, I don't necessarily mean me. I, um, like I, all, like a lot of the advances and like moments and the milestones that have like happened this year by trans women wrestlers have been by and large by trans women of color. It's been Candy Lee, Dark Sheik, Nyla Rose, Mariah Moreno, you know, Mariah Moreno who had been, you know, out in trans as a wrestler, you know, long, like for a long time, like, um, you know, and, you know, seeing Mariah Moreno start to, there's a saying that people use now of, of, of give them their flowers Mm -hmm. um which you know like seeing dark she get her flowers you know like she had this amazing match with um still life with apricots and pears at the collective um and like seeing and, and seeing like you know people recognize dark chic like not just as like the the mind behind hood slam but also just like a phenomenal like wrestler in her own right and seeing Nyla Rose like win a major women's championship. Um, and, you know, like we're still coming off of like, it's still within what, five years that like people like Ronda Rousey and Joe Rogan were arguing that like trans people should be like confined to our own leagues yeah. and be forced to fight each other um, because we were not, uh, we, we were, we were like sort of diluting or impurifying, you know, the sanctity of gendered sports. You know, like, um, it wasn't just like, like, 
there was just, you know, there's something about 2020 where like all of these, you know, like trans women who were like, who had been doing the work and been, you know, like doing, doing the work and like, you know, um, knocking down those walls and like challenging those norms for so long. We're like, this year was like, I feel like a year that like they got like recognition in a way that like, you know, caused to see change. Um, I train, you know, like uh, there are, I would say five trans, uh, five like women or feminine, like feminine of center um, people that I train with and um, like we're almost all trans or non-binary. Hmm. Um, you know, like there it's, you know, um, I know I've wrestled other trans women um, which I, you know, like I never thought I would ever do. Um, I now know trans women who, you know, train in pretty much like every region of the country. Um, you know, like a couple years ago, we would have been considered at best, you know, a fringe novelty, but just 2020, like 2019, 2020, like was just the, you know, the year that like people woke up, you know, um, you know, Sheik often, um, you know, Sheik would often say that, like, um, you know, the West has something to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that with, I think that uh, within, like, the last couple of years, especially with, like, you know, finally the rest of wrestling kind of, like, getting behind, you know, because, like, Hood Slam was doing Twitch for years. You know, Hood Slam had been on that live stream kick. Hood Slam had been doing the Twitch thing, had been doing you know, um, live streaming their shows for free. They've been doing that for a long time. I know this because I used to be the person who like ran the stream, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and like now, like, and that was like, that was what set Hood Slam apart. And now everybody's doing it. Everybody's trying to like make stream streaming content. Like, you know, um, everybody is now, trying to make especially now with covid everybody's now trying to take advantage of uh, an audience base which is stuck at home and doesn't have a lot of money (laughs) um like uh you know and um i think that um let me try and like gather my my thoughts um yeah, sorry. Uh, I mean, and, and also, like, I also have to, like, kind of check in that, like, there are elements to that that are um, that are kind of uh, ungraspable by me. I'm white. Um, you know, I'm like your typical, like, bookish lesbian. Um, I, there's a lot of aspects of, like, queer culture, like, specifically, queer culture that has been pioneered by queer people of color um, and trans people of color that, uh, you know, like that I am aware of, but I don't, I can't internalize. Um, And so like so much of, you know, so much of like what I see is the sea change of like queer and transness across wrestling coincides with like a, like um, a blossoming, like thriving um, community of openly like openly queer people of openly queer um openly trans people of color and indigenous people and like 
they're able to, you know, in a lot of ways, it kind of reminds me of, it, it kind of seems kind of like a do-over because, you know, so much of like queer culture was rooted in the culture of people of, co- of queer people of color. Um, and over time, you know, white queers like sort of assimilated that and, you know, kind of mainstreamed it and kind of um, homogenized it you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we're kind of seeing a do-over in like the wrestling community, especially in the queer wrestling community, where we're seeing like, you know, um, uh, like we're seeing queer uh, and trans people of color and indigenous people like establishing themselves, establishing like a community, establishing a, um, a scene and a an ethic of community and solidarity and in doing so are like kind of i see i kind of see in in wrestling and in the wrestling fandom specifically within the lgbt wrestling fandom i am seeing like um something that is very it's very vivacious and very enlivening very galvanizing and also like it feels and again i'm a white person and i'm only a witness to this um it does feel like a chance for people to like have something and like hold on to it. Um, because the thing is like all, all queer people love wrestling. People don't know this. Like, <laughs> like, uh, you know, like every trans woman I know also loves wrestling um, to some degree because I mean, cause wrestling is what is wrestling, but like enhanced gender, you know, when you, when you, when you get down to it, like even the most generic wrestler, is an exaggeration of themselves like whether it is an exaggeration of their actual who they are or a character that they're playing or a persona like when you are in the ring you are an exaggeration of yourself and and queer people understand that we've always understood that we like you know to to me you know like what appealed to me as a child watching wrestling is like oh this is like you know this is a way which men are allowed and encouraged to be beautiful is through wrestling like you're you know you're you know wrestling even even like (laughs) even homophobic wrestlers like aj styles are very prissy and uh very um very uh kind of self-obsessed compared to like what we would consider like uh how a straight heterosexual cisgender man should behave and like think of himself Mm -hmm. you know like (laughs) yes um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I was like, trying to hold in the, the laughter at the prissy comment, but it's uh, spot on. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> no, but it's like, you know, like, um, you know, Ronda Rousey, like, you know, fucking um, ragged on trans people, but like, you, you saw some of her makeup looks. Like, they weren't, like, she, the, the epitome of, like, feminine grace, she was not. <laughs> um, you know, like that's because that's just wrestling. Wrestling is an exaggeration and it, it can be an exaggeration for catharsis. It can be an exaggeration for, you know, an exaggeration for realization. Um, like I said, like I, I read a lot of Brecht. Um, and so like, I think that something that like really appeals to a lot of people with wrestling is like, is the opportunity to like critically, cr- to like critically uh, build worlds. Like an example, um, Richard Shinnery, um, who's someone um, I've trained with, someone I love very deeply, you know, he, he brings out Webster and like, you know, he sets, he sets Webster up and he, you know, he goes for that leap and 
in your mind, like when he, when he gets on top of, of Dick of Webster and he jumps and you are given the choice to like empower him to like, we are all given this opportunity to collect our like minds and our mental energies towards the realization of this dictionary being 50 feet tall and him crushing who he comes down on to death. And that's real. I've taken it. Uh, Richard Sherry has, you know, given me the elbow drop from Webster and it, it, it feels more than like what it feels like he's coming at you from 20 feet because like we've all chosen, you know, that's what I was saying earlier about like this process of like intentional deification. Like we've all, We've all imparted that power and that energy. And I think that that's what a lot of people like about wrestling is that ability to self, like be self-aware of the world that you're building as you're building it. You know, I don't think that Brecht intended for, you know, his idea of like alienation and being self-aware through the process of uh, storytelling. I don't think he intended for it to be, you know, uh, utilized by people like Minoru Suzuki, but I can't imagine he would be too disappointed. Oh no, I I can't imagine he would be either, especially considering just how real and how visceral a lot of these 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 stories and these worlds that are built really do feel for so so many people. You know, there's a reason why. Like I've made the joke multiple times on this show. Like I just want Minoru Suzuki to smash me in the face with an elbow because of the world that he creates whenever he steps into the ring and the and the and the the persona that he puts forth anytime he steps into that ring and that it goes for so many other people in this industry and, and it wouldn't the industry wouldn't be what it is without this collective buy-in you know yeah it's, i think that i mean that speaks to like that unique frenetic energy of hood slam you know it's it's in a standing room only um you know you're you're wrestling you know i've you know when i wrestled um I wrestled on Glam and I wrestled on the Sooner You pre-show to a Hood Slam show. And like when you're surrounded by hundreds of people in standing room, like only capacity screaming, like you, you know, I think something that people really enjoy, I think that like, it's easy to think about wrestling. It's like, oh, well, you know, uh, wrestling empowers you to, be this like superhero who can like do all these things like what I think is like more empowering and more interesting is like wrestling allows you to like wrestling allows you to suffer in ways that we do not imagine human beings being able to suffer hmm. like it allows you to survive things you know like I have this um so I, I you know I work in healthcare and I was showing um someone I was caregiving for a video and it's um, a video of a match that I had on Glam. So I'm, I'm in this uh, triple threat. It's me, Sandra Moon, and Simone Tree. And they give me this double suplex off the top rope. All 230 pounds of me just comes over the air and like hits the ring like 10 pounds of brick in a five pound bag. And, you know, like I was showing this to like, I would show this to people I was like working with um with someone with people I was caring for and like they would have these like visceral like reactions and like whole like how are you how are you at work how are you fine how are you here you know mm -hmm. and like I think that that is like 
one of the ways in which wrestling is like it can be like inspiring and like really empowering for people is like you see you 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 know like there's this catharsis that we have right of like you know when someone taps out to the yes lock or is like just left you know totally unconscious and immobile after like a five-star frog splash right Mm -hmm. you know like you have this catharsis of like that makes sense you know like i i i I talk about like how like wrestling so rarely inspires like the riots that destroy cities like other sports do and because i think there's this like there's this thing in other sports right where like you're you get so into football that you think you know football Mm -hmm. and then you get like mad because like the game does not go the way you think it could or should have wrestling's not like that i mean like yeah we all have like we all think like oh man that you know that 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 match that ended in a that was some malarkey the way that it ended right but you know when you see someone when you see someone take a top rope power bomb you're just like yeah that would suck to take and that would probably be the end of me too you know there is this sort of cathartic understanding that like these things hurt and it would hurt us a lot and i think that because of that like we have i think because of that like it's we part of like pro wrestling's stay over people it's the way it has this hold is like you see these people endure just shit you could not fathom yourself enduring and they do it multiple times a week on television you know and i just think that's like that's beautiful um you know i think that like something that's really to me like really beautiful about like dark chic and nyla rose and like candy lee you know um is that it's not just that like they're brave it's not just that like they're courageous it's that they are physically and spiritually resilient in ways that like the average person who sees them could not see themselves being able to do and i think that that is just really empowering you know like what i love about my body is that it can take a lot of destruction mm-hmm. um you know i i had like my first kendo stick break broken over me over the weekend um mm. and like like i don't know it was just like i took this like kendo stick it broke over me there's this massive welt on my shoulder but here i'm on on a plane yeah we think we we frame like queerness so we it, queerness is so wrapped up in like where you end right like we think about like queerness as like so wrapped up in like the tragedy of your circumstances of like you know do you you know if you die young or if you find someone who will you know you find a partner and you get to live that happy sort of um life uh free of the struggle of singledom right like there's so much about queerness i think that is rooted in an anxiety of how you're going to end up because you know um when you have a society when you have like a queer culture that is so based around youth and so based around like um consumption of various degrees like there is this anxiety of like well, what'll happen when i'm no longer consumable and i think that like it's powerful to like see people 
transcend that and just be like i i'm like i'm here i'm queer and i'm fucking immortal like uh i i'm not worried about whether or not like i'll be <laughs> yeah i'm not worried about like aging gracefully i'm worried i'm worried about like um traversing this valley of carnage mm. ah that's a that's a hell of a mantra right there i i dig it though and it's it's interesting like the the point pointing out like the 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 physical toll that that continue and so many others in in pro wrestling specifically you know trans people trans women trans men um go through when it comes to pro wrestling it really speaks to a lot of the attitudes that i think have really have been driving forces at speaking as someone on the outside of this movement um from what I've seen, it speaks to a lot of the driving forces for a lot of the trans advocacy that we've seen over the past 50 years. Um, in that, you know, like you said, a lot of the, 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 the movement that was started at Stonewall has basically was usurped in a lot of ways by white gay men um, and, and moved towards a more digestible sort of thing that, that really left a lot of the, the trans people of color trans women of color that started it in in the in the wake and and kind of mm. left the defend for themselves and, and it feels like so whatever advances that the queer community has made over that time span that the trans community is always a step behind but there's always been this resilience there like no matter what trials are, are being faced no matter how many different areas of society are trying to you know limit and discriminate against the trans population there's still this very at least from the people that i've spoken to there's a very rebellious attitude that's still there like when you're not going to kill us like we're not going away like you, you yeah you will accept us at some point or like you don't even have to accept us. just you know we're we're going to live you're not going to change this you know one of the like dirty secrets about queer identity and queer life is that my family weren't really on board with it at first mm. but eventually I think they realized that I was going to have a successful life without them you know like why is it that we like the Yankees it's not because they're good the, the Yankees are a nostalgia act masquerading as a sports team. Mm. Um, we like the Yankees because they are successful, because they're rich, because to be a Yankee is to have, to be a Yankee is like in itself a career highlight. And, you know, like we, we, we amass this value to the Yankees as it relates to like our American identity. Like the Yankees have like, an okay uniform design. Their logo is kind of like whack. Um, they haven't even been that good like the last like few years. Um, but like we still we still like ascribe this like value to them. And you know, like queerness is a lot like that too. Like we part of the shame and the stigma of being queer is that um part of the shame and stigma of being queer is the perceived like struggle that we will face because we are being queer, which exists because of the stigma that is placed on us. Um, 
you know, uh, philosophy tube, um, has a really good video about that of just like how, you know, um, LGBT people experience more violence day to day and more hardship. So they have a higher risk of depression, of suicidal, like, and self-harm attempts. And because of that, like that, then that is used as by TERFs, um, and like conservatives to be like, well, you know, like gay men and, and trans women and all these other people, like they, their lifestyle is decadent. And we know this because they experience more depression uh, and they experience more substance abuse rather than understanding that it is, that is, that it is your framing of my life as like inherently including the struggle is what like, is what causes the struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what causes the struggle with like capitalism or like material conditions, but like, I'm just talking kind of like metaphorically here, but like, um, you know, like that's also, I think, you know, when, now that I'm thinking about it, like, you know, that's like also where that is part of like where 2020 becoming year of the trans woman comes in. It's just that like, you know, now that like trans people and non-binary people are succeeding, like people are getting behind them because like, you know, trans being a trans woman is no longer about just surviving like ridicule and abuse it is also now about like pile driving people and you know um doing like putting on amazing wrestling matches and um captivating audiences through like um you know through physical like physical displays of technique and expertise i I really think that wrestling has this this capacity to transcend queerness as tragedy Hmm. No, that's, that's, uh, sorry, I didn't notice in a second. That's just, it's a fucking truth. And, and it's something that, um, has been truly powerful to see, you know, I think, you know, we talked a lot about capitalism here and there throughout these conversations, but to, to take a phrase from, um, some of the arguments around that um, is seizing the means of production in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways, you know, like it's really is like changing the narrative because people are taking control of the narrative and trying to make it a better one, as opposed to just defining us by the the tragic backstory Mm -hmm. and trying to push forward. And yeah, like, that's just, it's it's a wonderful wonderful thing to see in many ways like the way that the pro wrestling landscape is changing in in that way it gives me hope for other landscapes really um and that kind of that kind of leads us into another thing i wanted to talk to you about like obviously since you work in healthcare, um Mm -hmm. uh the affordable care act is being threatened once again uh in the Supreme Court last week, the Supreme Court heard um, arguments on what many uh, legal scholars are calling a quote, joke of a case um, to try and uh, repeal the ACA, which of course that legislation holds a lot of protections for trans healthcare rights within it. And if it was to go away, that would really create um, 
a disheartening situation. Disheartening is probably even too mild of a word, honestly, um, for for the situation that it would cause for um, many people like yourself and, and others that, that benefit from those protections. I'm, I'm, I want to kind of talk to you a little bit about that as well. Like, what does it make you feel um, whenever you see those protections in the ACA and the ACA as a whole being continually being challenged um, by people who don't really have an idea for a replacement? It's reached a point where it's just... Um... You, eventually you run out of like outrage for it because like the, the thing is like the cruelty is the point like the, the the cruelty is is the aim the aim of 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 you know repealing the aca the aim of denying us bathroom access the aim of denying us like adoption rights it is not about preserving anything it is not about um appeasing it is not about uh, preserving religious rights. It is not about preserving the sanctity of society. It is about cruelty. It is about punishment. It is about saying that if you, it is about saying that there is an order that we are all being held to. And if you fall outside of it, then you um, must incur wrath. And, and I'm talking about, I guess, like wrath in the sense of like, there's some um, biblical, uh, some theologians who talk about the wrath of God as not not God like reaching out and smacking you around, but the, the the wrath of God is the protective hand of God being withdrawn and and the um, the dangers of the universe being beset upon you. Um, and like that's that's the point of, of of like efforts like this is just to preserve a is like to uh, rigorously uphold a social order by threatening the rest of us with like abject cruelty like i want to be outraged but you know like the the worst part is like people don't realize like how like um i think that we have gotten so again because like we define the success of our movement by like the mercy that we can um negotiate you know um we often lose sight of the like reality that like gay rights are also straight rights. Like it's, you know, uh, it's not just about like, it's, 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 you know, like if LGBT people have the right to marry, that means that it strengthens your right to marry because it means that you can marry whoever you want. Even if like the person, even if like there is, if you are a straight person and you want to marry someone who like, it does not fall within legal parameters of, you know, straight man, straight woman, which happens even like to straight people, like you, by protecting my rights, you are shoring up your own rights. Like it is not a deprived, one is not depriving you of the other. And it's the same of like abortion, access to abortion and a, access to like birth control helps like women with uter people with uteruses. It also helps people with penises. It like, those, those safety nets and those rights protect all of us. Um, it's, you know, like, it's just being framed in, it's the same with trans rights. I mean, like, um, like if I, as a transgender woman, am guaranteed access to a bathroom of my choosing based on my own thing, that means that, it means that, like, if you are a cisgender man and you develop gynecomastia, then you cannot be forced to use a bathroom 
that doesn't conform to how you like identify with yourself. Like that sounds like a ridiculous what if, but like where, I mean, that's, that is how far those protections extend. Like protecting my rights protects your rights. And that's like what is so like frustrating about like having to have these, just these debates at all. It's just like, um, I, it's just like, like we, I don't know, just, it's so cyclical of like, you know, so like, you know, after Trump, I don't know if you saw this, but like, you know, after Trump lost the election, there were all these like posts being so like circulated on Twitter of like people on 4chan being like, oh, well, I guess I'll just transition now. Mm. Cause like Trump lost and like, I like am no longer empowered to be like a fucking fascist edgelord. So I'm just going to do what I actually wanted to do with myself and my body. Like, um, like so much of this theater of like, there is society and then there is trans people and that we are, we are just like uh, having rights for trans people so that they can just like exist on their own. It, I mean, that's, I mean, it's just farcical, like trans rights, like trans rights are good for your rights. Like as a cis person, like it is defined, like, pr- like protecting me as a transgender person protects you. And like in any way that you may fall outside, you know, and, and ex- like an example that I would use is, you know, I mean, it's the goalposts, right? Like where, um, so like, you know, uh, this person will say like, oh, you're not a woman because you don't have a vagina. And it's like, okay, well, I could get a vagina. And they'll be like, well, you can't give birth. Okay, well, are you saying that women with vaginas who are infertile aren't? Because that's what you are implying. And, you know, like, it, it seems, like, insane now. It seems, ins- it seems insane to us now to think that, like, there would be a time where, you know, infertile cisgender women would be declassified as women and, and be forced to some other gender marker. But, like, you have to remember that, like, male and female is made up. Yeah totally made up like male and female and this idea of two sexes totally made up it is it is an oversimplification of an extremely complex and extremely varied a spectrum of biology that presents itself um as dimorphism like because it's just like easy it's just like most people fall into one of these two buckets but like the idea i mean it's like um species Species is a made-up concept. Like th- there being like different species of an animal, is, that is a social construct. Like that is, like those you know, like species of this or that don't have an awareness of themselves as individual species. Like we assign that value to them because it helps us with our own like understanding of biology and science. Um, you know, like and it's the same with gender. Like male and female made up. Like you know we. Um, like we are all on an, on a biological level as, as, as far as DNA chromosomes, we all express a variation. Um, we express within a gradation within a spectrum of sex and it is easier for the purposes of like classifying our species, um, to think of it as, as, you know, as an X and a Y, but like when you, when you cut us all the way down to our atoms, like that is you realize that that is a that is a social construct that is you trying to make sense of something that is so wide and so complex and so varied that 
you know, um, it is difficult for us to like realize in day-to-day conversation and realize in day-to-day like interactions. It's just like, it was easy for our fucking mammal brains our you know, our mammal brain that sets upon a lizard brain to like, okay, there's men and women, there's one and zero, like, you know, and some people just want to stay lizard brained. And what I mean, lizard brain, I mean, like reptile brain. I'm not, that is not, I'm not trying to invoke uh, lizard people, which is an anti-Semitic dog whistle. Um, Ah, man, conspiracy theories used to be fun. Um, (laughs) You know, like, remember, you remember, right? When, when conspiracy theories were fun, it was like, oh, the government's like covering up Bigfoot. And, you know, we, 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 we built the moon on a soundstage in Hollywood and Stanley Kubrick directed it. And now conspiracy theories are horrible. They're not fun at all. They used to be so benign. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like Hitler, Hitler went forward, you know, Hitler escaped in a time machine, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's like not, you know, Hitler is not benign, but like, yeah, you know, like, um, <laughs> but the fact that he or, went in a time you know, machine, alien, no, like, uh, you know, like I read this book and I was, and I remember reading this book when I was in high school of like, you know, aliens gave us microwaves and, and, uh, Velcro and they did it in exchange for the rights to continue mutilating our cattle that's you know whatever that's like <laughs> fucked up but it's not like um that's not that doesn't believing that conspiracy does not you know further subjugate and denigrate like a whole like people um but now yeah now conspiracy theories suck it's it's the worst <laughs> no i i'm right there with you i really like the comparison of this the the, the social construct um uh, concept to to species in that way because like yeah you're right like the scientific world uses these different terms to categorize and and better understand and better study these different animals that really don't have that perception of themselves but whenever you try and apply that to people that do have that perception of themselves and 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 have these ideas and have these these explorations of exactly like well what is beyond the gender binary like why is the gender binary there and and starts to really understand themselves and exist beyond that like it, it it becomes that much harder for for those sort of constructs to really be applicable in that way and it, it's incredibly frustrating that they continue to to be pushed so hard whenever you can um so easily see just by the sheer existence of the people around you that the construct is false mm-hmm. yeah well I, I, I there was i had a, another question regarding that specific to you as well um you know okay with the um with the possibility that that those protections could go away in the aca and and i've asked other um trans wrestlers this um <sighs> Knowing the, the the physical nature of pro wrestling and, and the toll that it does take on the body, if those uh, protections on trans healthcare rights were to go away, would it make you reconsider uh, pro wrestling as a career choice? Um, no, um, I, I don't... I don't really consider wrestling like my career um, in the sense of like a profession. Like 
I, I consider wrestling like my lifestyle mm. now. Um, you know, it's, it's how I engage. It's, you know, wrestling is the, my community. It is how I interact with people. It is how I move about the world. Like all of my traveling that I've done in the last like three years has all been around wrestling. Like all of my major life changes that I've had have been like based on wrestling. Every time I meet a new partner, like potential partner, I like introduce them to wrestling. Like it's no matter um, what, like no matter what happens, like this is, I've done the rest of it, right? I'm 35. I've like done all the other like cool shit that I was going to do with my life in terms of like the, the trans milestones, you know, like I've like done all the things to do to say like, I've done all, I've, I've completed all those other milestones to like prove that I'm an adult or to prove that I'm serious about being a trans woman or serious about being queer. Like, um, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've, uh, I don't want to brag, but like, you know, I've done, I've done a lot of those things. Like, this is something that I'm doing like for myself. This is something that I'm doing not to like, this is something that I'm, I'm doing to like explore like who I am, like the core of my being. And what is it about me as a person? What is it about me as like a being who lives in the universe? Like, what is it about me that is worth sharing with others? What is it about me that is worth learning from others? What is it about me? What is it about me that is worth the, the grind, the struggle, the everything? That goes into wrestling like i will do wrestling and i die um like this is the thing that i'm gonna do i mean this is in a lot of ways this is kind of like wrestling is a lot like joining a union it's also like joining like a monastery <laughs> um this is the life i've chosen for myself and this is the life that i'm gonna pursue to the end so like whether or not the aca gets repealed that's whatever i mean i live in california i live in the bay area it will not be hard for me to like get trans affirming care I have, since living in California, I have never had a doctor ever, ever tell me no on like getting hormones or, you know, looking into this, uh, like this, you know, treatment or that treatment. I've never had that, you know? Um, so like whatever happens to, I mean, this, I mean, and, and we're not really fighting for me. We're not fighting for people like me. I mean, that's the whole point of like, it's what we've been saying this whole time about like Trump and like, is like, we're not fighting for California like we're fighting for all those people that are i mean like there's, there's a lot of shit wrong with california i mean like our police suck um and are like blight and our blights on our communities um and ice is always like in our face and landlords suck and like homelessness and capitalism california is its own festering hellhole but like what i'm saying is like the people the most at risk like on a macro level are the people that like live in red states or live in like more rural communities that don't have the infrastructure of cities to like protect them or like provide for them. And like, I'm not worried about like me, like if a, if the ACA is repealed, uh, you know, I'll be fine. Um, you know, for better or worse, I've had like, I've had a good life and like, I'm going down swinging. That's like why I'm 
you know, that's why I'm committing to wrestling. Um, but like, this is worth fighting for to preserve like everyone who does not have like the insulation that I do. It's to preserve like all of the like queer and trans people from like outside of California who message me all the time being like, I don't know if I can like do this thing that I want to do with my life because I'm trans and like people might try to stop me. Like that's, that's who we're fighting for. And that's who I try to like, I don't know. That's like who I try to like do right by mm. just with my life in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No. Uh, I've ta- I've gabbed at you for two hours. Um. <laughs> no worries. I, I it's been a, a very very um, enlightening and and very engrossing conversation. I've really enjoyed it, uh, Bambina. Let everybody know where they can find you online. Um, on Twitter, I am baseball kick. Um, on Instagram, I am Bambina's baseball kick. Um, next week, we are premiering my new um, the revamp of my cooking show, Batter Up. Oh. That'll be on that'll be on twitch.tv slash Batter Up Bambina. Awesome! I'm glad to see Batter Up coming back. I I enjoyed the, the the first few episodes there. They were very entertaining with you and and Sheik Thank you. in in the in the kitchen. And I think I, I did, did. Am I wrong, or did I see a a, a Shotzi Blackheart? Uh, yeah, we had. Yeah, we had. Know. We had. Um, no, yeah, yeah, we had an episode of Shotzi Blackheart. We made. Um, we made mock apple pie. Well, well, thank you so much for having me on. No, thank you for coming on. My thanks once again to Bambina for coming on the show. Um, I this was outstanding. I really enjoyed having the chance to speak with her. Um, and honestly, having the chance to kind of brush up and kind of work on my chops when it comes to my English major <laughs> and the, the one or two playwriting slash theater classes that I took in the midst of uh, working on that. So, yeah, I did not expect the conversation to go into uh, Brechtian theory, but I am here for it and here for uh, so many of the things that um, came up during the course of that conversation. Uh, definitely check out Batter Up whenever it comes back next week over at twitch.tv slash batterupbambina. Um, the first few episodes that during the initial run of, of Batter Up were, were entertaining, and I can't wait to see what um, she has in store going forward. It's going to be fun. Um, yeah, but that's going to do it for us here this week. Um, God, it's just I keep going back to the, the mantra, uh, that or the mantra, rather, that she put out there and it just keeps hitting home with me you know we're here we're queer we're immortal and that's just some power that's going to stay with me as we keep going forward on this show and i think that it's something very good thing to internalize for all of us in that way but that is the end of the show this week like i said before so uh, we let's get out of here by uh, highlighting some rad people that help make this show as awesome as it is of course, the Progress Pride flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for our theme song, Formula 666. That's off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSWBand, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Special shout-out because the lead singer of the band, Sarah, my close friend, uh, is also trans, and Trans Awareness Week, um, Trans Week of Awareness. Uh, yeah, we're going to do that and highlight that there. Check out their music. It's 
part of the week to celebrate awareness. Um, and then, of course, um, if you want to check out the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, there is no better stop than independentwrestling.tv. They actually have some hood slam shows on there, and you might be able to catch Bambina over there in some, one of those shows, or some of the people that we discussed during the course of this show. I know for sure Richard Shinari is on there as well, and Richard Shinari is always a fun watch. Uh, and if you want to check out uh, what... Hood Slam has to offer on independentwrestling.tv, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod, or you can visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT, and you get a five-day free trial to try out the service and see if it's something that you want to add to your um, subscription count. Uh, it's, it's an awesome service. I really enjoy using it myself, and uh, yeah, check it out. Try it out. LGBTRingPod. Um, over at independentwrestling.tv or tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT if you want a direct route there. Um, follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. You can follow the show on Twitter at LGBTRingPod. And if you're into video games, I also co-host a video game uh, news show every Monday at 8 p.m., 5 p.m. Pacific called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I do that with a couple of my close friends over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment. It's always fun. We uh, cover the week's gaming news and uh, offer critique and analysis where needed and have fun where we can um, because there's always some fun and ridiculousness within the uh, actual issues of uh, video games on, on a weekly basis. So once again, twitch.tv slash Entertainment every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over there. It's always a fun time. But that's going to do it for us here this week on the show. So uh, until next week, y'all stay messy. Wear your... I almost said wear your hands. <laughs> Wash your hands and wear your mask. And understand that we're fucking immortal. Bye.